0: Gross domestic product. In most of the developed world, countries grow their GDP, which is like a measure of a nation's wealth, by focusing on three levers. The first one is immigration. Politicians will prioritize people they can import over natural population growth because it's an easier way to goose the numbers. Secondly, there's productivity growth. This is what entrepreneurs and everyday people have in common. We all want more from less. Like all types of mining, though, where we take some materials and we try to make something of higher value out of it, there's often slightly less return for each new unit of effort that's being applied. The last lever is debt growth. Over time, debt of all sorts has to increase. If not share, bond, property, or crypto markets, It's war, and it's an endless reason why we have to spend money on infrastructure. Financialized assets need to soak up the new credit creation that must occur at increasing speed over time, and if it doesn't happen, a supermassive black hole sucks us back to the dark ages. Financially speaking, of course. Welcome to the show today. This is a version of how the world works, which isn't perfect, I know. Mildly offensive in some parts, I'm sure, too but it's a micro dose of macroeconomics. You can focus on the fees or you can focus on the returns. And should you choose the latter, there's a few things that you should know along the way. And don't worry if you feel a bit dumb learning about this stuff at the start. A conversation that will help you along your way today, though, Hugh Henry is a Scottish ex-hedge fund manager, well known for his performance during the global financial crisis of 2008. Today, we'll be covering off how he is thinking about his portfolio during these times, how he's investing. Remember not to conflate edutainment with a bit of financial advice though today. Um, Now, occasionally I'll reach out to people like this who have slightly off-balance views on investing because they're often easier to learn from. And if you know of anyone you'd like me to approach or you can introduce me to, I'd love your help. Connect with me through most social channels and we'll see what happens. Okay. Now, it often takes a while for conversations to get going, so I think we're joining back into the discussion around a really interesting part. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get started. You're listening into to the Everyday Investor Podcast. Passive investing, property investment, managed funds, and crypto. If you're an everyday person wanting to build new wealth for the new world that you're heading into, then this podcast is for you. I'm Darcy Anguero, your host. I'm a qualified financial advisor, but I'm still learning how to invest better and teach others how to do the same. I talk with guests and cover a range of topics designed to get you to think for yourself here. But please keep in mind, this can't be considered financial advice. Be sure to do your own research here and seek qualified advice of your own before making investment decisions. If you want more information, check out the show notes in your podcast player and make sure that you've subscribed to YouTube also. Then follow The Everyday Investor on all social media channels. The NZ Everyday Investor podcast receives support from the following partners, Easy Crypto, the safe and easy way to buy and sell crypto in New Zealand, Guerrilla Technology, increasing business success through innovative and strategic IT solutions, Ungaro and and & Co. Financial Advice, financial advice for everyday people building everyday wealth. Hope you enjoy the show, let's get started. presumably you would be figuring out what kind of positions you would take to benefit from this environment that of course you can't control, you know, it's just going to happen. So can you just walk me through how you would potentially set up your portfolio in light of what you're just talking about, but maybe even factoring in some of the other dynamics at play right now?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, so let's keep to the, the old weather, what I call a kind of quadratic risk expression. Um, um, yes, the diversification of risk. There are points where you step up and you take a lot of risk, but you want to have a, a coherent, systematic approach to both seeing the opportunities and scaling up the opportunities. So if I was running a 100 million NEV portfolio today, the most remarkable thing, the thing that some of your audience would recognize is, I wouldn't really have to spend a, a dollar to be represented in markets. Think of a compass point, north, south, west, east, whatever, you do, or God bless you. Yeah, let's do that one. Yeah. What is you for investing with me? You know, uh, so, uh, the, the first one really would be the S&P. You can play around on all the silly stock indices, you know, the DAX, the NASDAQ, whatever, but it's S&P. We're going to think of a, a, an, a risk allocation there. And for most of this year, my allocation has been about 20%. And I'm maybe wanting to pull it back a little bit now, maybe 15. I'd maybe want to be doing... Protective option over overriding because, you know, the NASDAQ's up 40%. S&P unweighted is up about 10. Um, un, unweighted where you have, you know, the Amazons and the AI stocks. Again, it's had a fantastic tear, but trending, trending positively. I won't have an, I've got to have an equity allocation. It'd be between 15 and 20% of my NAV because I feel like I must. I've got to be diversified. It is trending. Um, that's all, uh, there's not, uh, well, and then you could say that, uh, you're up trying to short the S and P you're up against a formidable opponent, which is you know the 401k program. I right. mean, the S and P just trends, It just, I mean, it trends with a sharp ratio, which is insanely high and periodically every three years, it just goes, boom, it's like a tombstone and it falls over, but intellectually. The thing where I where I'm i I'm seeing potentially opportunities is in the risk-free US Treasury market. It's been downgraded, so how risk-free is it? Um but but there there's been a lot of drama. You know, think of me as Johnny drama. I like drama. In price terms, we've eliminated 15, 16, 17 years of price gains from long duration, long-dated uh, US securities. And you can imagine because of this Fear foreboding of of the inflation that we've had and the expectation that it's going to prove sticky. Sticky is this new term, you know. I used yeah. to eat sticky sticky puddings, but now everyone talks about sticky inflation. just I thought you were going to say sticky something else. Uh, yeah, rolling stones. No, stop it. Right, okay. Um, the it's had like a three standard deviation uh, price move, negative price movement, and in the world of global macro. You're kind of looking for signals of that nature, two, three uh, standard deviations, uh, price, waterfall events. Um, right. and the S&P was there in March 2009. They're very uncomfortable places to to seek to purchase. There are many reasons you should not be buying, the, but the, the best reason is they've had a three standard deviation drawdown, and, and we live in a monetary system which seems to reward mean reversion. So I kind of feel like I... I don't buy the inflation thesis because we were kind of pointing towards the psychology of the monetary phenomenon necessary to to sustain inflation. And today, inflation really requires that uh, the global work, workforce continues to be rewarded with higher and higher rates of uh, compensation. Right, And, and so the, the tailwinds against that would be that you have the gigantic mercantilist nation of China, I say gigantic. It's now the size of Europe, and and China just will not tolerate um, the the wages of its domestic uh, labor pool matching those of productivity. So labor is always structurally cheap in China. Um, it's one of the st- structural kind of parts of their system which favors exports and and, and profoundly large trade surpluses. Um, trade surpluses, which are three times greater than anything you see from the 19th century. I mean, truly remarkably high. So that's that. You know, that's 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 really hard. It's really hard if you're in Australia, Europe, the United States, and and across industry, you are raising you're raising the price of labor. Labor's going to disappear. It's just, you know, right. it's, you're just going to facilitate this. Now you could say, well, yeah, but we're now doing onshoring. We're doing a little bit of it, but you know, onshoring would, would take you 30 years. So, and then they say, well, it's marginal rate of change. Anyway, for me, I don't see enough. I don't see enough risk seeking behavior from banks, and I don't see the Chinese authorities changing their practice with regard to their labor pool, or indeed their currency. Their currency is proving um, a little bit weak, and that just adds to the pressure on Western labor markets. So. Um, for me, the inflation is, you know, we had a pandemic, and uh, we closed everything down, we sent people checks, supply, uh, demand was greater and supply prices went up um, and it's taking about two years to work its way out of the system. As it does, you can see, you're just kind of seeing forward prices uh, yeah. via producer prices, producer prices are collapsing, they're collapsing. So that would be my bet. So yeah, I, I, I'm not an inflationist. Prices have fallen dramatically. But I can't buy them because I, I need the legitimacy of a price trend. Um, and so I've got, to, I've got to squiggle, swiggle squiggle a, a little bit. And I come in and I buy um, options. I buy the TLT, which is a right. ETF, it's 17 year duration treasury bonds. Yeah. I, I, I can buy options on it, expiring in January of 2025. I start buying them this year in March. I have only lost money since March. Um, yeah. But think of the terms involved. So, what did I say? I had hundred million hedge fund. I got twenty million in S and P, Strobe, Nasdaq. And here we're talking about putting seven million in option premium. So, it's and pretty... uh, you're talking about call
0: options specifically, right? On the TLT. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I mean, the the so I'm at close to the money. TLT price was I want to say 96, 97. My head spins, you know. Um, I mean, yeah. come down from a hundred, and you know, and the folks that follow me on Twitter, like, "Oh, this has been a terrible trade." I'm like, "Dude, it's like, it's August of twenty three, okay? I've only had them on for four months. It's like, Max like, slow. It takes a long, U.S. economy is twenty five trillion dollars. It takes a long time for you know, to, if it's if it's losing its mojo, it, it, it takes a while, you know. And that's and that's an important thing with macro. we're not we're not traders we're not like we're oh, we'll make money in july we'll make money in august it's like i've got a landing strip which is two years
0: yeah Um, that's surprising for me because i I kind of always assumed it would be always short term always in the now but talking about a two-year time frame like this um kind of goes counter to that that's for sure
1: yeah i mean you know
0: it's mostly like
1: that um in 2008
0: um i enjoyed it a good year
1: i made you know 33 percent. I made fifty in the month of October, two thousand and eight, uh, but that all stemmed from a position that I, I had committed to, in in May of two thousand and seven. Okay, it takes a long time to, to bear fruit, uh, and and you've got to survive just the, the craziness of markets. You know, uh-huh. uh, Lehman Brothers went bankrupt two weeks prior to that. the The share price series of U.S. banks made an all time high. You can't make that stuff up. You know? so, yeah. And so I have I've got two hundred thousand less in uh, two hundred I've got twenty million in i P. I've got seven million in in treasury treasury bond futures. And I, I have to say, just in terms of education and stuff, um, it's not good just to buy call options or just to buy put options. Hmm. Any option is overvalued and like really richly overvalued. Really richly overvalued.
0: Now it's to always win, yeah.
1: Yeah the, the richest people in the world are uh the people who write you the options. Yeah. And so when I say I've got these 100 strike calls that's true but in the short term I'm kind of I am writing a lot of calls and puts. Um so I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to do something about the the old, like I'm trying to cheapen the, the cost of my submission. Right. I hear. you. Uh, yep. And I can cheapen it because again I'm kind of if you will willing to forgo I don't think my strategy is going to like explode to the upside this month, you know, so short dated. So if you will, I'm committed and I, and I own expensive, overvalued long dated options yeah. uh, and I try and cheapen it by selling both calls and puts, depending on where we are, you know, if we're trading one or two, then I'm selling one or two calls. If we're trading 98, then I'm selling, you know, 98, 96 puts, whatever, you know, um, next quadrant would be alternative assets and that's where you find gold bitcoin commodities uh real estate private equity it's a huge that's 100 trillion dollar uh quadrant Um, you'd i'd have to have about 5 million in in gold futures okay um gold has been here hereabouts for the last 12 years um it, it's at a kind of barrier of just above two thousand. Um uh, macro's all about barriers, price price levels um kind of going sideways for like a decade, two decades. But when the price breaks them, boom, you know, they go higher. So yeah. um I've got five percent in gold because of everything that's going on. Yeah. Um they are issuing more of those treasuries. Um you know Fitch is saying that this is not good I think we're going to see a big slowdown in the economy what do they do next kind of thing so uh, gold is a bit of a an insurance policy and secondly you know, gold is typically expensive because um, you're getting paid interest and, and again you're getting paid you know five five 5.5% by the Fed you get paid nothing in gold um, on the other hand um, asset prices are kind of the, the level of asset prices suggests that the 10-year expected return on equities is zero at best huh. so well, actually gold's not that scary you know, like, anyway so i'd have five in gold gold is something i'd want to layer into i want to buy another five another five at higher and higher prices i don't think it can trade much beyond three thousand because of the starting point
0: um sure I mean- but largely that, that's an insurance strategy more than a Hoping to get a, a good gain, you've just got an analog version of "Hey, if everything goes to to hell in a handcart, this 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 will pay out." That- yeah, and again, but again, it's recognition of very long term price charts. And the very long term right. price
1: chart says, you know, push come to shove, you good. You, you got to have something here in case it breaks the barrier. You know, asset classes which break barriers and trade higher can have explosive movements. So gold ticks that box. Uh, but I'd have a much bigger position in 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 Bitcoin. Okay, tell know, me about like that. Yeah. So I would have like twenty million there, um, and and the reason is is it's just preposterously small. Yeah, first, like gold is preposterous. Right? I mean, what is gold? Is you know, is it something that came from a meteorite? You know, people go wax lyrically, and, but you you know that there is someone somewhere in the world that's always willing to to pay you quite a lot of money for the yellow metal. Um, yeah. and kind of. We don't have thousands
0: of years of data, but it looks as though Bitcoin is going to be the same. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that way, just on that, Hugh, like many people in your space, there would have been a point in time where you weren't on board with Bitcoin. Maybe you didn't understand the thesis or you just needed to see a longer time frame, or you need to see the market cap grow. But what was it that caused you to kind of fl- switch on Bitcoin? I, again, it's kind of having this
1: quadratic impression of, of asset allocation. Um, being in it to win it, yeah. Uh, the fact that asset classes are are so rich across the world. Um, the fact that Bitcoin had another mean reversion. You know, it did fall from seventy thousand, and it came all the way down to what seventeen or so thousand, yep. eighteen. 000. Yeah. Um, so that's mean reversion. Um. And then um the sheer uh the the total market valuation of Bitcoin you know, it was only I I don't. I don't really include uh, crypto in my world good yeah I'm less mean um, Bitcoin the market value is about half a trillion dollars yeah so it's 126 the size of gold uh, and and I I still believe crazy things do happen will happen probably will happen even more and as, oh, I want to say it has convexity I mean you know Bitcoin could could trade 4x higher and, and it It really wouldn't have a ripple or an impulse onto the, it wouldn't have an impact onto other asset classes. You know, if gold is $13 trillion, if gold triples, it's bigger than all US stock indices. So that's kind of, I'm like, that's a head scratcher. know, I like gold, but really it's going to be bigger than all equities. Whereas if that happens Um, to to Bitcoin, then what? It would be Mm $1.5 trillion be the same size as meta facebook
0: okay so better reward for the same potential catalyst like if we equate gold and bitcoin similar in terms of their use case as a as a diversifier i guess you could say right yeah and again this is all coming against the backdrop that
1: you know um we, we we invented a financial system which which used treasury bonds as collateral and u.s government now is Printing a lot more of those collateral treasury bonds, yeah, uh, and so that system may be, may be on the throes of becoming inflationary. Um, you know, I, I I take issue with people who say it's now. I think it's 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 close, but the bit between it's a bit like a, on options. You also have this dead zone before you make a lot of money, and I think we're entering in, into the kind of drop dead zone, um, and then you get your inflation. So whatever. Um, okay. So they have relevance. they are alternative currency assets if you will bitcoin is the smallest it seems to have demonstrated proof of concept and then finally it's woken up the greedy denizens of wall street you know the guys who like wall street this a, is a machine it makes money because always oh, it's, it's not a machine it's a casino yeah and there's a lot of casino owners that are like Let, let's do bitcoin you know like so uh, yeah. What I'm talking about, we now have a Bitcoin future. Uh, we're, it looks like we're going to have ETFs. And yeah. uh, together they will, and they're being supported by the, the most gigantic financial behemoths, moths. And they employ thousands of people and they're going to be on the phone with hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And it's going to become a kind of uh, George Soros reflexive system. So there I say to you that, I would buy in clips. I'd buy more Bitcoin going down. So I'm saying to you, um, uh, my treasuries, they're trading kind of a hundred. And as they trade close to 90, I'm a buyer. Yeah. My Nasdaq, I only own it. I only own it because it's going up. You know, yeah. I think it's valued. but it's going up and I respect uptrends. If it loses its uptrend, I'm like, get me out of Dodge City, right? I'm a seller. Um uh, gold, I said to you, I'm a buyer on. Incremental leaps higher. Yes. Bitcoin. I'm a buyer on incremental um, uh, latches downwards. Yes. Uh, I want to, you know, if i was going to trade ten thousand, I want to maximize my position. If I'm starting at two hundred thousand, I would want to think that I could be at four hundred. Uh, if I was starting at twenty million, I'd want to be forty million. If if it traded okay. as low as 10,000. Okay. and then finally we've got a final quadrant which is cash. Yeah. And and all of those transactions. They haven't really cost me any money because I bought futures right 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 okay I, I, so again if I'm a hedge fund I'm still sitting with a hundred million dollars actually I've I probably I I've probably posted two or three million for the the treasury call positions so I'm sitting with 98 million in in cash and I'm getting five five and a half percent yeah so so for hedge funds and stuff like there's this, this year is kind of pretty okay. You know, yeah. you're not, try- Macro's not trying to beat the beta of the S and P or the NASDAQ. And and you're starting a year where you, you get like 5%, like positive on, on your cash. Hey, this
0: cool. yeah, it's pretty cool. Like it's, it's something that I think like for, for myself and for the people that I talk to, it feels kind of like everyday people, everyday investors are told to dollar cost average into a very well diversified fund and just to sit tight and shut up and no disrespect to that whole industry because I'm, I'm in that. But I think when it comes to looking at this from a macro framework, I'm just wondering why is it that everyday investors don't kind of play the investing game using a similar sort of framework that you've just described? And, and like, why, why do you think that is? Oh, because you get sold financial
1: products, no one buys. <laughs> Some guy phones der- you, hey, hi, yo, George, Do you remember me? We had a drink at the gold golf club. <laughs> and plus, everyone's everyone's busy, and it's a little bit scary. They use all these terms, you know. Uh, people think the central bank's like a genius; they're idiots, but you know. Uh, and so, I mean, you, know, my business is, if you are a financial. Imp- influencer these days, you know, I'm, I'm seeking to socially
0: influence people to, uh, try and wake them up and say,
1: you kind of do it.
0: Yeah. Do well, t- it. tell me about that, Hugh. Like what, what are you doing at the moment in that, in that space? Because I, like I say, I, I know from your hat, you're the acid capitalist, but tell me a little bit more about what you're up to. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, as you know, I, I was a global macro hedge fund
1: manager, I had my own business out of London. Um, I ran a hedge fund for 15 years. My engagement with the sector started um, 25 years ago. So, you know, I'm, I've got a lot of experience. Um, hedge funds uh, became overregulated. regulated um, I'm passionate. Hedge fund or investing is, is, is just a wonderful thing for curious minds. I mean, I'm like curious all the time. I keep asking questions uh, and questions make, I don't know, prizes in the world of speculation. But, um, but it became, I, I lost the, the, I was, it was joyless. I had passion, but I was joyless. Um, I invested, I'm here in St. Bart's, and I invested in the local property market. And I, I saw uh, very similar characteristics to Bitcoin. Um, it's scarce. Uh, they have a kind of, almost they have a halving concept where the supply get I mean, literally, the supply uh, does diminish because the permits that they issue, they're not issuing, and so the existing stock um, becomes uh, more sought after. Um, and there was like, there's a your clients pay you in dollars, your expenses are in euros. I was looking to borrow from French banks over twenty years at two percent. And I, I, there's a view of the world, you know, view where Bitcoin trades at hundred and fifty thousand dollars, or gold trades at four and a half thousand dollars. That's a world where the shareholders of the bank have transferred their wealth to me via the mechanism of the mortgage you know yeah. leverage leveraging yeah. real assets um and then um i you know i've got this calling again i still hear these voices in my head and uh, so i i've got a patreon account i'm doing a weekly podcast with you know people that make me think um yeah. patreon i get people can get a one-on-one mentoring uh, scheme with me it's amazing that the stories that I hear um and and the journeys that they take me on. Um I'm about to host a summer camp here in Saint Bart's for are lucky few. They're gonna stay in my properties here. Um I sell these hats and and who knows what else, you know. I should really be managing money again. You know. That's for the money is, baby.
0: Yeah. Well maybe this is the next manifestation of how how we all should be doing it here. Who knows? Yeah. I can't, <laughs> we can all do it this week. We can all do it. This yeah. Um, There is just one one more question before we go that I'd really love to pick your brains on because it's something I think a lot about. I'm personally, I'm quite into property myself and to understand where property values go, kind of need to understand where interest rates are gonna go, kind of like bonds, I guess. And that leads you on a little bit of a chase and you kind of have to hunt down some of the things that move interest rates around, not just here in New Zealand where I'm living now, but worldwide because everything increasingly seems to be connected. So from your perspective, and I i vaguely kind of understand how this works, but maybe if you could explain it just with Japan and China unloading more treasuries potentially, can you talk to me about how that might influence interest rates or if there's anything else that, that you can pick on that might influence interest rates, say in the next one to two years? Sure. Um, I, I think that's, that's the best most
1: complex way to, to close the show yeah. so, um, um, <laughs> yeah. we again we have to be cognizant of how exceptional this rate hiking period has been yeah. within America because the private sector uh, has been immunized it has not felt these higher rates yeah. Yeah. Um, which is why the economy just has not pulled back we haven't had a recession this has been the the sharpest, fastest tightening of policy in 25 years. And if you will, Atlas shrugged. And Mark went, ah. okay. Um, but there are consequences. Um, and to answer your question, um, no one, this is a very US-centric answer, but no one can afford to move house. If you move house, then you have to cancel your existing mortgage, struck at 2% and take on a new mortgage. And I saw figures that if you take on a new mortgage and you buy the the average house, if you will, you know, the average house price transaction, and you take a new car loan for the average car loan, and, and so you reset higher to to where, if you will, Fed rates plus risk premium are, um, two thirds of your income, two thirds of your disposable income, are swallowed up by your house and your car. Yeah and of course insurance is very expensive In health insurance is very expensive in America you've got to feed yourself God help you if you've got kids and education and all that as well so, um, so I feel like just now the US is subject to kind of slow form of asphyxiation you know it's like just gently slowing down I mean at some point people have to buy cars and they have to move house you've got to move state you got to yeah, do need- Things, well, it's kind of like they're holding, you are holding their breath, right? They're holding their breath, the asphyxiation, yeah. So, um, and at the same time, um, the federal government, you're, the def- you've had a very surprise slowdown in federal tax receipts, um, partly because you know asset markets were so strong 18 months ago and the anniversary that's rolling off, but it's really caught them out. Deficits are actually going up as a percentage of GDP. And the economy has not had a recession. And so people are like, yeah. And, and their, uh, their interest payments now are on the verge of usurping what they would traditionally spend in sensitive sectors such as defense. So, again, you've got, a sector, you've got the private sector, which is kind of okay, but it's kind of losing oxygen. And then you've got the public sector, which really has some serious thinking to do about retrenching and perhaps spending less. Yeah. So I think a slowdown will come in the U.S., at the same time, you've got a huge amount of financial institutions, and they borrow uh, short and they lend long. Because you had like zero real, so you had very very low long term interest rates for fifteen years, you've got a huge legacy of mortgage and other corporate debt, which now has to trade way below NAV or par because it struck at the wrong price. There's, if you will, this hidden instability in the financial sector. So I'm not convinced we've seen the last you know, financial accident. And of course, the, uh, the manifestation of that is weak credit growth and the lack of risk appetite everywhere outside the stock market. So US is like amber. Uh, and then in terms of housing where you are in Australia, Canada, and the UK, I think you've got to be anticipating a serious um, pullback in house prices. You've had a generation of people that, that did the buy to let to, to let does not work and it doesn't work if you're renting it, you know? And so it means that a lot
0: of properties are coming on the market to be
1: sold. And again, who's going to buy it because rates are really high.
0: It's all kind of pointing to the same thing. Higher rates, potentially less credit growth. Um, there's, there's little incentive for people to move on. So I guess it's a question of how long can everything, it's not just people, but how, how long can everything in the system hold its breath for? while we maintain these this high interest rate setting so i guess what is the ultimate cure then like what where do we need to be for stability to to come back and for normalcy to to rain again
1: yeah we, we mentioned in, in in passing uh china but um the, these very large export dominated economic blocks um they have currencies which depreciate against the u.s dollar they run Persistent surpluses. Um, it would be good if their currencies were rising, their consumers were becoming richer and, mm. and they were buying goods and services. So the world is, that's not happening. There's a profound structural deficit in demand, demand for goods and services, because the rest of the world should have currencies which are stronger vis a vis the US dollar, but they don't. And they don't because the US buys their goods and services. So it it addresses their overcapacity issue, and in return, people like China. Because you said, "What if China and Japan sell Treasury bonds?" They won't. Yeah, if they sell Treasury, I wish they would. I would ban them, but I wish they would because it's the every year it's the avalanche of buying Treasury and other U.S. dollar risk-free yeah. securities which keeps the dollar strong vis-a-vis them. So they buy financial assets. So the the true cause. In my head, of the of the asset price inflation is uh, the organisation of um, international trade. I think we're just in a, a in a rinse and repeat cycle where the system needs more and more debt. Presently, the the cost of the debt has been set, I think, too high. We've talked about asphyxiation. Yeah. Um, I think the cost of debt will have to come down. Fed will, Fed and other central banks will will cut rates. Um, that will facilitate more debt accumulation yeah. and therefore more economic growth, but more economic volatility. And, and and that's
0: to be determined what happens next. What happens next. Yeah, but ultimately, if um, other currencies can appreciate in value, maybe there's wage inflation in developing countries. And maybe that wealth gets spread more evenly rather than I'm going to lose this bit so I can gain that bit. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would I would much
1: rather trade uh, future wage inflation for the household sector to try and do away with this grotesque income uh, inequality. I would trade that for higher asset prices. Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. I think everybody would,
1: yeah. But who who, the people who write the big checks for the politicians are the asset guys and girls. They're like, no, oh, no, 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 no. Give me hockey central banking, you know, so... We're going to have to burn the whole thing down before we, I think, we get any chance of. you know, we've got too yeah. many people disenfranchised. Um, yeah. yeah, You can see the politics are just becoming
0: kind of really, really yeah. complicated. Well, you know, it's like when the music's over, turn on the lights, right? It's, it's, it feels pretty close to that, doesn't it?
1: Well, you know, oh, let's keep on uh, on Jim Morrison. You know, what have we yeah. done to our fair sister? We have ravaged and we pillaged her. You know, it's time yeah. to. Take care of our sister and do, start doing proper things, but it, you know it's the the problem. It's a little bit Professor Michael Pettis, one of the the the, the greatest minds on current international trade policy and other, and other matters. Um, you know, China's in this um, terrible dilemma because the 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 internal policies that have been responsible for taking it from less than the size of Turkey to greater than the continent of Europe. Those policies don't work anymore, right? But they rewarded lots of vested interests, and to get everyone aligned and say, "Look, we're going to change this. The reward system is going to change. It's going to be good for the nation." But I'm afraid, you know, Wang Wu over here, like, yeah, you've made enough, and Wang Wu's like, "No, oh, not me."
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough sell. Okay, well, maybe that is part two, Hugh. We'll we'll dig into that more another time. But I really. Wanted to thank you again. Thank you very much for speaking with me. And for people that want to follow you on Twitter, what or not Twitter, X, uh, how can they find you there?
1: Yeah, X marks the spot. Uh Henry underscore Hugh. Awesome. Um, and the asset the show on, on YouTube and on the podcasts. The public. Pop- pod.
0: Awesome. All right. Thank you again, Hugh. Enjoy the rest of your day there in St. Bart's.
1: Thank you. Take care. Right.
0: Take care. Thank you. Same here. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Investor Podcast. Like what you've heard, but you want more? Make sure that you've subscribed to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the Everyday Investor newsletter too. The links for everything are found in the show notes that you can access easily by swiping or tapping over the cover art in your podcast player. If you received value in some way, I'd love it if you could take the time to write a review wherever you listen to podcasts, share it with a friend, or think of our show partners where appropriate. Easy Crypto, the safe and easy way to buy and sell crypto in New Zealand. Guerrilla Technology, increasing business success through innovative and strategic IT solutions. And Co. financial advice, financial advice for everyday people building everyday wealth. Remember, some investments or strategies discussed on these episodes may result in financial loss. Be sure to do your own research and ideally seek qualified advice of your own before making investment decisions. Hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we'll catch you next time around.